Ceremony Episode 931, Natalie Alicia Gold, Wealth and Success Coach and Bestselling Author. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. If you are a person listening who's teetering on the edge and saying, maybe today will be my last day at work, maybe tomorrow, just do it. Just go for it. Because you know what? You're going to be successful at something you love and you are going to make a lot more money, be a lot more positioned for success and actually live a life that when your kids ask, what is your legacy? They will have a profound, clear answer and you will leave impact. And impact is, I think, something for our generation that we can bring forward at a monumental rate. And I'm so excited to be part of the greatest generation of all time. And I'll say that publicly. Are you making the right financial moves, not just for yourself, but for your family and your legacy in the future? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. This is a passion topic for my guest today, Natalie Alicia Gold. She's an attorney and wealth coach who helps specifically women protect their legacies and their future. She wants us all to talk about money, learn about money, and get our financial and legal ducks in a row right now. Time is of the essence. She gives women the nudge they need to plan for things that aren't pleasant to think about. She'll be the first to admit, but you know they're really important to do, like creating a will, guardianship documents. Natalie is a mother. She is an attorney. She is a wealth coach. She is the author of Money Mama, the Women's Wealth Bible for the Digital Age. As you heard, we talk about the importance of striking out on your own, but also the conservative steps that you need to take to be able to protect your ability to take on risks, to have a legacy, to provide for your family in the event of the unexpected. Here's Natalie Alicia Gold. Natalie, Alicia Gold, welcome to So Money, my friend. Hi, Farnoosh. I'm so great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And, you know, you do some really important work, Natalie. You help a lot of people prepare for their futures and, you know, have some of those hard, you know, conversations with themselves about protecting your assets. You're an attorney and a wealth coach who focuses on helping women protect their legacy and their future. You know, let's start with putting this in context a little bit for everybody because we spend so much of the of our time talking about the importance of women making more, right? There's the earnings gap and then of course there's the investing gap. We don't make as much and so we can't invest as much. But the reality is, and you know this better than anybody else, we're living longer than men and a lot of us will be alone, uh, unfortunately, in in the later stage of life. And so we have only but ourselves to lean on in some cases. And so the work that you do, what what kind of puzzle piece is this and, and where does it fit as your financial planning? Is this the first thing you should be working on? Is it, does it come at a later stage, this idea of protecting your legacy and your future? So I think that's a wonderful question. Here's what I think about that. It has to be one of the primary things. And I would say it's part of the cohesive plan, right? So when you're doing your financial planning, it should be something that's part and parcel because here's why. If you do an amazing job financial planning and you were 
in the right, you know, stocks and have the right IRAs and are setting all this up. But if you don't understand at a more, you know, whole level of what will happen when the inevitable happens, how can we possibly plan? So I think it's a necessary converse part of the conversation. Farnoosh, the craziest thing is 64% of people die without a will. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And you know what happens then? The state decides. Yeah. So everyone already has a will, and it's called the intestacy statute of the state you live in. And unless you have a cookie-cutter family and no problems, like you have, mm. you know, your one spouse and your two kids and everything is perfect – and there are no issues, <laughs> ring, 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 probably no one, because everyone has an issue somewhere, then unless it's that, your legacy could very well be going to people that you would not want. And let's say that you're a woman who decided against having a family and you are very much a career person. What happens then? You know, your deadbeat dad who might not have been around could be the 50% beneficiary of your life's work. Hmm. And it shifts to your priorities when you become a mother. So tell us about that because I know that's for you been a personal transition as you've been growing your family and you're expecting now baby number two that your sort of your financial priorities and what's important to you really do change even then. So tell us about that because you wrote a piece about this for Yahoo on the issues that you worry about now because you've become a mom and obviously as a wealth attorney too, you have certain concerns. What are they? Yeah. So here, here's the deal. When I started as a 24 year old estate attorney, I understood this stuff and I was able to speak to it intelligently from the mind and say to people, of course you need a plan. Of course. When I became a mother, it started speaking from the heart because all of a sudden my legacy became very real as to if I'm not here tomorrow, who will take care of my girls? And as every mother, you know, can understand how scary that thought is because look, we're not guaranteed today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I don't want to be, you know, the bearer of bad news, but it's going to come for us all. We don't know when we don't know how, but what I do know is that I'm not bringing children into this world to leave them in the hands of heaven forbid child protective services because I didn't get around to planning. That's mm -hmm. unacceptable. So it really, for me, my area of business became a life passion when I became a mom and, and then wrote Money Mama basically as a Ten Commandment Bible, very short read that is to the point explaining the must-knows for personal financial wealth preservation. And it's not just for moms. You make that very clear. Yes. It's for it's every not, woman. It's for all women. And men. All, women, and all, all people. You mm -hmm. know, all people. I mean, I love working with women because, as you said, many of us are going to survive our spouse. In fact, the statistics show that nine out of 10 of us are going to. And I don't want women in their 80s and 90s figuring it out. Mm -hmm. We need to figure it out a lot before then. And I also, look, you know, the reason people don't like going to lawyers is because everything becomes so confusing. It's never broken down in, in a simple way. And this stuff is actually really simple and not so scary because instead of considering to be our state plan, let's make it our life and legacy plan. What is our legacy and how are we going to provide a life for our family that works? 
And once you make that switch, I think everything changes. Yeah. I mean, I think because when you say a state, that implies you have massive wealth, right? You've got houses and jets and all the things. Um, it sort of makes you feel like your life is not significant enough to merit this sort of planning, but it absolutely does. Uh, so sticking with the simplicity theme, can you give us some simple steps on how to go about getting this financial plan in order, this, this, you know, wealth preservation, whatever you want to call it, your legacy, your life plan set up? I know it's also true that so many women, we are going without life insurance oftentimes, um, you know, forget the will. We don't even have the life insurance. And so what are some simple things we can get going? You know, that wouldn't be expensive either. We don't have to work with a fancy lawyer to get these done. So here's what I would suggest. Everyone needs these three things. And what they are, are the will, the power of attorney, and the healthcare proxy. And let me explain what each one does. The will is a dear judge letter. Who gets what, when judge, unless you want to revert back to the intestacy code, which I bet No one is reading for fun. So let's make sure that number one, we're providing who gets what one. And number two, providing for our minor children and what happens to them. And even if they're not minors, Farnoosh, I know that I don't want my entire legacy going to my kids at 18 because at 18, they're not ready for that kind of financial influx and thereby what will happen to them. You hear of all these trust fund babies who end up on, you know, different drugs or depressed We don't want that to happen. So we want to make sure that we're protecting the wealth, not just giving it. Number two, the power of attorney. What is this document? Basically, it gives someone else the financial power to do what you can do financially. That means pay bills, bank accounts, brokerage accounts, et cetera. Although it's a scary document, because remember, you're giving someone the full rights to do what you could do financially. But as you're doing your planning, you have to really consider someone you trust in that capacity because otherwise, Farnoosh, I don't know about you, but if I'm in the hospital, my bills are still coming. And if they're not paid, that health insurance, that long-term care insurance, that life insurance, and my rent or mortgage may very well not get paid. And if that mm-hmm. happens, what am I going to do? Not only am I going to be recovering my health, I'm going to try to put together the pieces of my financial picture And we don't want to be doing that while we're getting better from whatever should happen to us. So that is a must. You want to uh, allow someone to really be in charge. And as we age, I mean, dementia is a real thing. Alzheimer's is a real thing. And many of my older clients need their spouse or children to take care of the finances in order for them to survive. So it's a very important thing. And the healthcare proxy is essentially what the financial power of attorney does, but in the healthcare realm. So if I can't speak to a doctor and tell him or her what I would like done, my healthcare proxy is allowed to speak on my behalf. And you should also have the conversation with your proxy to say what you would want done because they should not be guessing. This is about your life and about how you want to you know, live it. So those are all the basics. I went to a funeral recently and I, for the first time, thought to myself, do I want to be cremated? Do I want to be buried? And I don't have the answer to that. And I don't even know how to analyze that. Like, it's such an existential question, right? You got to like right. literally put yourself out of your head a little bit and, and think about 
you a life where you don't exist. And right. I mean, I don't know if you've had these conversations with clients, but like, how do you yeah. even know what, what the answer should be to that? You know, typically when people are thinking about this, they're usually a little bit later in life. And so they're not 39. Okay, great. No, no. I'm so pretty don't morbid, I guess. Curve, Farnoosh, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just morbid. That's all. Well, you know, I'm an estate attorney. I think about death and dying all day long, but like in a fun, <laughs> great way. So, <laughs> so here's what I tell people. Look, sometimes it's an easy decision because if your religion right. prescribes a way. Just tell it, me what it, to do. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? And they do it because many people who, for example, I'm of the Jewish faith. So for us, the burial is actually a very kind of specific and important thing to do in a certain way. Although there's plenty of Jews who get cremated, don't get me wrong. But but the fact is that if you're someone who prescribes to the faith, you have kind of a checklist of what you have to do. And by the way, Farnoosh, that in and of itself costs a small fortune. Yes. Yeah, which funeral people are costs. not prepared mm-hmm. for. <laughs> well, again, which is why it's important to get the life insurance, which I might add as an addendum to your three important steps is to secure your family if you have dependents with appropriate life insurance. And a lot of times people ask, well, how much life insurance should I get? And I'll tell you what our financial planner at one point prescribed, which was eight to 10 times your annual income in a, um, in a benefit policy. You know, I totally agree with that. And I really, I think we should go back to that question that you asked because it was so profound. So those three documents are really the basics, but as far as other things in your financial plan, I could not agree with you more. And in fact, I was 23 and single and start just started my business and I got so much life insurance. I tell my husband, you better not kill me in my sleep. Seriously. Because I wanted to start preserving my nest egg that I knew I was going to be building. And guess what? You're never going to be as young and you're never going to be as healthy. And as a result, the younger you get the life insurance, the cheaper it is. Right, right. And it is really inexpensive if you go for the term policy, you start young, you're healthy. Let's talk a little about your personal arrival to this career profession. It's not like you wake up maybe in your childhood and go, I want to talk to people about death all day long. Um, But here you are. Um, I understand that one of your pivotal life experiences, which may have something to do with where you are today professionally, was a very scary car accident when you were a teenager. Um, And you wanted to talk about this. So I'm not, I'm not surprising you with this, uh, with this antidote, but so tell us about that and how that inspired you. Sure, Farnish. So I was, you know, I always say it's life and after, before and after that time. So this August 20th, we're actually coming up on the 15 year anniversary of what is my personal Pearl Harbor Day. So I was walking across the street, 15 years old, and I just, you know, finished work at an ISIS shop. I always like to have my own money, even young. So and had a, you know, an envelope for $120 or whatever it was in my little purse. And I'm walking home. And unfortunately, I don't make it across um, the street in Queens, where I grew up like two blocks away. And it turned out that two guys were drag racing their cars from light to light. Oh, my God. And, And one hit me at 60 miles an hour and did not touch a brake. 
Um, so to say it's a miracle that I'm even here is, is an understatement. I mean, the doctors were totally at a loss for how I survived that. And, and then frankly, they were thinking that my entire 10th grade year, which was coming up in like a week or so, you know, it's end of August, it's about to start, but I was going to have to sit it out to which I said to them, no freaking way. I went to Townsend Harris high school, which as some of your listeners might know, is one of you know the highest ranked schools in New York and in the country. Very competitive, very cutthroat. The other people you're competing against, everyone is you know has grown up brilliant. Everyone has grown up at the top of their class up to that point. So I was not going to take one day off, and so I went in a wheelchair on the first day of tenth grade. And and the doctor oh, said to me, you know, you're we're going to talk about walking in like a year, and I said to him. Nope, that's not going to happen. And within a month and a half, I was dancing and choreographing on stage. Wow. Five broken bones later, four pieces of metal to this day. Oh so my God. Oh my God. I tell my husband, I go, you married up. You married a bionic woman. You <laughs> did. He totally did. What happened to those drivers, by the way? Did they get prosecuted? So it's really a great question. Um, the driver who hit me actually said he was doing nothing and not racing. There was a gentleman in the car with him who went to the DA and said, I was egging him on. And we were racing, to which the DA said, great, then we're going to put you in jail too. So he <laughs> reneged on his statement. Oh and my basically, gosh. he got a, a slap on the wrist, this guy, and he had almost no insurance. So this is really what implanted on me two things. Number one, life is so short. Holy moly, we can like at any second can go. So what are we doing with this life? It completely opened my eyes and perspective in a way that many 15-year-olds, thank goodness, don't have to think about. And number two, it showed me the inadequacies and inefficiencies and general, you know, disgraces of the legal profession and how things can fall through the cracks when it's life or death. And I realized I am not not going to allow for justice that was not brought upon me to continue to, you know, not be brought to the people. So I went to law school. I, I decided at 15 years old, then and there, I'm becoming a lawyer to bring justice and to speak for those who don't have a voice. Natalie, you know, I didn't know this story. We, we sat across the table and shared some guacamole one afternoon and this did not come up. I guess it's not guacamole conversation, but it's... <laughs> I love it's you even more now from hearing this. I, it's I, second date. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe it's second date material. It's podcast material is what it is. And I have always respected you. And now I have such, uh, it's like, I don't even have a word for it. It's like, it's remarkable. Um, at, you know, at such a young age, the, the chutzpah that you had to, to defy, you know, the, the the industry and say you know what I'm gonna I'm, first of all I'm gonna be walking I'm not I'm gonna just be walking I'm gonna be dancing and um, that you w- use that experience to help others pay it forward in your life so that's uh, just a little snapshot of who Natalie is everybody thank you Farnoosh thank you so much for those beautiful words and and believe me I know we're on this mission together because it's not easy to to do what you do and be a voice for so many. But I know that what you do is really shining a light on things most people don't think about, don't know about, and are scared to ask. So look at the beautiful things you do in this world. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I want to learn more from you um, for the, like the time that we have together. I want to learn yeah. a little bit about, uh, you know, you have so many great philosophies for people to practice when it comes to, especially women, when it comes to managing money and protecting their wealth. What is something that you personally prescribe to a financial philosophy, a money mantra that guides sure. you? Sure. So there, there's a few things here. Number one, I want to say that we have to empower and uplift ourselves and learn and be interested to learn because we cannot, a man is not a plan when it comes to this because of how many of us survive our husbands. It's just facts. So we need to truly say, I am going to take ownership of my life. I am going to make sure that my mantra is about manifesting wealth and securing it because Farnoosh, there's plenty of people who have lost a fortune And that is not okay. So what I would say too is for all your listeners here that, you know, what I really like as my money mama, M-O-M-M-A mantra is manifest opportunity, manage wealth, make magic, accomplish anything and appreciate everything. And I truly take that to heart because here's the thing. Money doesn't solve all our problems. But it sure helps get us the baseline life that we want. And I think for me, a very important thing is if you choose to get married, okay, 50% of us are failing in those marriages. Mm -hmm. I think a big reason is financial. I mean, it's proven that financial reasons are the number one reason for divorce. So why don't we be a little smarter? We learned from the generation before us that a lot of things didn't go right. So let's start doing some things right. And that's why I created a concept called marriage constitution. And in that you have, and it's not a prenup that it's, you know, you and your spouse each lawyer up. I mean, that deflates the romance a bit. And I understand why people feel uncomfortable having that conversation. So what I did was say, okay, instead of pitting each one against each other, let's bring ourselves together and build a marriage constitution and say, Sam, these are the things you're going to be taking care of in our marriage. Natalie, those are the things you take care of. And here's how we're going to resolve disputes when they come up. For example, childcare. Okay, big issue. Very expensive in New York. Very expensive in a lot of places. So how is either you know, the non-working spouse going to be compensated for that time. And, or if there are two working spouses, which most of us need to do today to be able to survive, you know, who is going to foot the bill and how much of the childcare, what's your philosophy for how you're growing your child? How are you sharing the financial responsibility and not just the responsibility, but do you even know what's going on financially? And if the answer is no, we better find out. Yeah. Because I cannot tell you how many marriages people at the divorce table are saying, I didn't know that he had a second family. What? And that there was no, there were debts left oh up the wall. I, mean, I have a friend, a family friend who just lost her husband. He dropped dead in, on a trip, trip in Jamaica at 50 years old, just dropped dead from a heart attack. And she sold the house, barely made enough to cover the mortgage. And then she had debts up the wazoo that he left for her. Thank you, honey. I love you too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and at not- that point, you're angry, obviously. You're resentful. 
But part of you is also like, how did I let this happen? You know, exactly. Um, exactly. You can't change the fact that your husband was a jerk, and but you could have, in hindsight, been a little bit more aware of where the money was and how the money was getting managed. And by the way, that we have debt. You could have demanded to know that. And if he wasn't able to share that with you, that would have been a red flag. And I think grounds for divorce in my Totally. Book. Totally. And how can we not know, right? How can we – and look, I say this before Noosh. So many people have no idea. No, and if your husband has a business or if you have a business, are you properly insured from, the, from what could be the creditors of that business? Because partnerships go wrong. Clients come after professionals and none of us are asset protected. So we own the house, you know, in our joint names. Well, guess what? Not so much asset protection when you own a house, a brokerage statement, a bank account, anything in your own name. You get in a car accident and you perform malpractice in some way or someone claims you do. Someone trips and falls in front of your house. A guest comes over and falls down the stairs. Oh, my God. You know, the lawyers out there are so really, I mean, they'll take anything. And there are frivolous cases that can eat up at you inside, even if you did nothing wrong. So what are we doing to protect our nest egg? We're working like, you know, hamsters on the wheel. We're going to do it. We're doing it every day. We're bringing home the paycheck. We're doing whatever we can to put food on the table. And yet we're not thinking big picture, long term. Am I protected? And for 90% of Americans, Farnoosh, and maybe even more, I would say the answer for the people I've seen is no. And that is a scary, scary thing. Whoa. Okay. Well, you've got me convinced. Actually, at our guacamole lunch, you convinced me to get um, long-term care, which I I have it on my to-do list, which I thought, I'm only 39. What am I going to get long-term care for now? But it's going to be a lot cheaper and um, healthcare costs. I mean, if they've been following, if they've been following the way that they've been going in the last decade, it's only going to get more expensive, a little bit more mysterious as far as what will be out of pocket, what will be paid for, et cetera. So better to have a nest egg. Farnoosh, and if I can, there's something coming down in Congress, which no one knows about, okay? All the channels we watch that are talking about everything Trump does and everything Democrats do and blah, 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 no one is talking about this. And I want to share this with your listeners because it will affect the middle class so drastically, like something we've never seen. So it's already through the House with almost unanimous consent, which they don't agree on anything, but this is something they agree on. And here's the law. It's called the SECURE Act excuse me, it's a bill, it's still not a law, has to go through the Senate. And this SECURE Act is coming after your IRA assets. So the IRA that you have always told, been told, save, 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 invest in the IRA. We're going to stretch it out for your kid's lifetime after you pass. They're going to have to pay tax incrementally only as they take out you know, the money from the IRA. Here's the deal. The government will allow for your spouse, if this, if this should pass into law, it will allow for your spouse to continue to take Uh, tax-free money. However, it will not allow for your kids to do that for more than 10 years. So you're going to have to pay Mm -hmm. the tax that otherwise could have been over the course of their life in 10 years, okay? And presumably, kids in their 40s or 50s are going to be high-income earners at the highest percentage bracket and now have an additional tax liability, okay? 
So people have no idea that this is coming down the pike, but in my opinion, it is something that will affect the majority of our listeners. And it is something that we should be outraged about and calling our representatives about, because I know that I did not listen to the great advice of save, 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 do the right thing, put it in your IRA to then have my kids be potentially exposed to huge tax liability when I'm no longer here. Tell us something good. Tell us something positive. I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear what Natalie is excited about. I want to hear something that financially is a win, maybe in your own personal life. Let's let's talk about that. Great. So I think there's a lot of things to be excited about. I think that although Congress is now playing with the Secure Act, there's something that's amazing for many real estate owners called an opportunity zone an opportunity zone funds. We're able to basically, with the correct planning, you know, forego or stretch out for a long time capital gains taxes. So for any of our viewers that have made a substantial amount of money in real estate, for example, but don't want to be active real estate owners anymore, fantastic opportunity. And Let's be real, Farnoosh. Under this administration, it has never been a better time to start a business. You know, the taxes on businesses are much lower. There's so much opportunity. I think we're living in the golden era of opportunity for all people. And finally, thank goodness, women are taking, you know, the, the, um, ram by the horns or what and going for it. They're becoming the CEOs. They're going. And I love that because we no longer are, you know, have to go according to the step stool and the ladder and the glass ceiling. F the glass ceiling. We're creating these unbelievable businesses. We're doing these unbelievable things. And what I would say is that, thank goodness, this is our time. Mm -hmm. We have unlimited amounts of abundance to tap into. And I don't think we should be listening to these old school, like, you know, work a job for 40 years, then retire, blah, 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 you'll be taken care of. Where does that exist today? So if you are a person who's listening, who's teetering on the edge and saying, maybe today will be my last day of work, maybe tomorrow, just do it. Just go for it. Because you know what, you're going to be successful at something you love, and you are going to make a lot more money, be a lot more positioned for success and actually live a life that when your kids ask, what is your legacy? They will have a profound, clear answer and you will leave impact. And impact is, I think, something for our generation that we can bring forward at a monumental rate. And I'm so excited to be part of the greatest generation of all time. And I'll say that publicly. I think we're doing things in this generation that has never been done before, that had never even been thought of before. And thank goodness yeah. I mean, think about our daughters. You have a baby. I have a two and a half year old. They're hopefully going to be raised without these pretexts, you know, that we grew up with that, well, you know, I'm going to have to prove myself against a man's worth, you know, and that it, that they're just going to grow up being themselves as individuals. And it's not really about him versus her. Hopefully, I feel like that's the one, one of the good things we can look forward to for the, for the, for the current generation that's being raised right now. I totally agree. And I could, you know, I really believe that the future is female and not to say like anti-men. I hate that. Men and women have to work hand in hand together because female empowerment is human empowerment. And we are in this together, whether we like it or not. 
So I think that anti-man rhetoric has no place here. But it's really about like raising our daughters and sons to be equally as great and not limiting and, you know, and hitting at the kneecaps our daughters. And, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I, I think, says it best. She goes, do not use the gender line to put women in a cage. We should be put on a pedestal of equality, of doing everything that, and I am so excited to have daughters because they're going into an era where they can be the president of the United States, the prime minister of any country they choose, so long as we're there, they can do <laughs> anything. And I'm never going to allow anyone to put any doubt into my daughter's mind as to what she's capable of, because for her, it's unlimited. And for all our daughters, for all our sons, for all our children, it's about, I think, really instilling that confidence. And I think it starts, Farnoosh, with financial integrity and confidence. Because if you know that your finances are in place, if you have manifested abundance and called out to the universe and said, here are my documents because I know I'm leaving a legacy, guess what? You'll have one. And with that kind of confidence that mama and daddy have, it cannot not go to the kids. Right. No, a hundred percent. I love what you said that financial female empowerment is people empowerment. That I have this saying that when when she makes more, we all make more. We all win. It's it's you know, and I do think that in order to move the needle forward with any cause that's related to female empowerment, whether it's financial female empowerment, it we need everyone to back this up. Um, we cannot win this battle just with women on our side. We need the men, we need everyone in the middle, and otherwise it's going to be a kind of a never-ending process. And we have to really drive home the point, that, which you just did, that uh, you know, women's championship is everyone's win. And like, if, if a mother can go to work and be paid fairly and equally and also, you know, come home and be supported. That family will thrive. That company will thrive. She'll be happier. And I don't know about in your household, but happy wife, happy life. Absolutely. Some people hate that expression, but it's kind of true. (laughs) It's a, it's a little, a lot true. Yes, it Um, is. Tell me this. So we're uh, doing this fun thing with guests, uh, which is asking them this question brought to us by our sponsor, Chase, uh, which is, what is something that you practice in your life, um, Natalie, that helps you achieve financial freedom, financial security, however you define it? But is there like a strategy you use, a daily habit, an app, something? For me, it's about total belief in myself. And, and honestly, meditating on what are my objectives for the day, for the week, for the year. Because once I'm clear on that, I make it happen. But if I'm in this netherworld of maybe here, maybe, I mean, you know, none of us can thrive in that netherworld. So I get very clear on what it is I want. I put pen to paper. I think there's a special magic that happens when you physically put pen to paper and say and declare, I'm going to do this. Um, and I, I make it happen, you know, and I'll tell you, Farnoosh, I'm, I'm a miserable human being when I'm not executing on what I want to be doing. Cause I, I'm like wishy-washy and, and not fun to be around. But when I get clear and I put those objectives down on paper and make it happen. And that to me is the greatest way for any of us to truly attain financial success. 
Yes. Timelining it out. <laughs> I like to yeah. say like, yeah. create those milestones um, and then make them, you know, mini milestones for yourself so that you feel accomplished. You feel like you're making progress and you can track your success and you can track your learnings. So, so important. Natalie, wish we had more time, but you're kind of a busy lady doing all the stuff with helping people build better lives and uh, starting with your daughter who um, next time maybe she can co-host. Um, she's going to, if she's anyone like your, her mom, she'll be a real force. But really, thank you so much. And your book, Money Mama, is for everybody. And it is a wealth Bible for the digital age. Thank you so much. Thank you, Farnoosh. Always a pleasure. Thanks to Natalie for joining us. Her website is nataliegold.global. You can also connect with her on Twitter at Natalie underscore Alicia underscore gold. Her book again is called Money Mama, the Women's Wealth Bible for the Digital Age. All this information is at somoneypodcast.com where you can download the transcript and the audio. If you want to leave a question for me for our Friday Ask Farnoosh podcast episodes, just head over to the website and click on Ask Farnoosh, leave your question there, or follow me on Instagram and send me a direct message. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I hope your day is so money. Oh,